So be careful what you wish for stuff tends to come with the things that I said we really don't like to do. And that's the reason why. This is the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. Each episode, we ask a single question. To find the answers, we speak with experts and listeners like you. This podcast contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. I'm Noah Michelson. And I'm Karina Kolodny. This week's question is, how can you use magic, alchemy, and the occult to find love? Karina, I think this episode might be a little bit different than the other ones we've done because it's about astrology and witchcraft, which I'm not sure everyone even, I know, not everyone even believes in. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where we're going to have a lot of skeptics, but that's okay because I think we kind of formatted this episode with skeptics in mind. We did, but... Before we start that, are you a skeptic? I am not. I personally believe that my owl was lost in the mail from Hogwarts. Um, I'm really upset about it. Um, and I'm lost in Mencia muggles, which is really hard. Um, that is hard. I actually have an astrologer that I talk to once a year. And I wouldn't say I put all my eggs in his basket, so to speak. But it is kind of fun to hear what he's going to tell me. And it gives me a way to sort of think about the year ahead, um, sort of a blueprint where I can you know, emphasize certain months doing certain things. But um, I don't know if I would say that, you know, I live my life by it. Do you have an example of a time where he told you something and that sort of changed your perspective on it? For sure. He told me in 2009 that my life would suck for the next year and a half, two years. Ouch. Yeah. And then he said in June 2011, I could have whatever I wanted in terms of my career. And I got my interview for the Huffington Post on June 3rd, 2011. What? Yeah. So he was he was dead on. Um, and, I've, you know, same thing. When I was a kid, I loved those Time Life books that were about the mysteries of the unknown. I had those. And I really wanted to be a parapsychologist and a ghost hunter. And I loved witchcraft. And I think, you know, people use these things also as a way to find love, which is why we're here. Right. Well, and I think people are uh, scared because they think, you know, oh, I have to completely buy into this or believe it. But it sounds like in your example, when you got this job offer from the Huffington Post, you think maybe you were more empowered to take it or felt like, oh, I'm more capable of doing this because he had told you that. Exactly. It, it gave me a framework to think about the opportunity rather than being scared. I, I dove into it because I thought, oh, this this is in my my chart. So my thoughts on astrology and the occult and magic and alchemy is that they are one of many ways of getting out of your own way. And it sounds like that's kind of what it's helped you with. And we can probably all agree that when it comes to love and sex, getting out of our own ways is a huge hurdle that oftentimes bars us from getting what we want. That was such a good segue. Did you just come up with that now? I did just off the top of my head. I love that. Getting out of your own way. And you're right. Sex and love, we, we all must up our lives. We muck up each other's lives. So if we can go to an astrologer or go see a witch and they can help us, you know, sort of set things on a clearer path, why not try it? Right. So we did try it. And we started by talking to Deb McBride, who is an astrologer. But again, for you skeptics out there, she also has an extensive background in math and science. How did you initially become interested in astrology? Well, you know, it was really, I would call it a sort of a calling because it's not something that you just come to randomly. You're sort of brought to it. And when I was 
a child growing up in New Jersey, my mother had the astrological magazines, and she wasn't like an astrologer where she did the calculations or anything like that, but she was interested, and they were around the house, and astrology was very available at the time because it was on television, you heard about it a little bit on the radio, so I was very attracted to it. And I always had an interest in it. And then when I was in high school, I had a friend whose mother was a professional astrologer, and that rarely happens in life. And she gave me lessons. So she taught me all the calculations, the logarithmic tables, and all the planetary position calculations so that I could calculate my own charts and interpret them, which is the which is the art of it. So... What's really intriguing to me about your background is that I think most people think of astrology as being in one corner and science as being in another. Mm -hmm. But you have a background in math and science, right? Yes, yes. I have a chemistry degree, a bachelor's of science in chemistry, and a minor in math. So do you see those things as conflicting, or do you think they're sort of interwoven into what you do? I think it's all interwoven. Um, it's all alchemy, you know, Uh Chemistry is alchemy, and astrology is more of an emotional alchemy. And so it's all math, too. You know, astrology is very geometrical. You have to know math and be comfortable with math to be able to do it. Um, sometimes I can calculate things in my head very easily because of my background. Um, and you really have to think in abstract terms, which math and science always form, you know, you always formulate that with math and science. How important is astrology and, and people's charts and what that says about them in a relationship? Being biased, <laughs> um, I think it's highly important because it's you can have this whole other layer of information about your relationship with someone and anyone. That could be your parents, your siblings, your cousins, your best friends, your lover, your partner, your co coworkers. Um, any bit of information is helpful, and a lot. most people get into astrology and start to study astrology because of relationships. Why isn't this working out? Why don't I get along with my sister? Why don't I get along with my brother? Why, why are my parents always fighting? Why is it like this? And why are my relationships so difficult all the time? And it provides an enormous amount of information for navigating these relationships. It's interesting that you say navigating because I think a lot of people think of it as, oh, I'm this sign, this person's that sign, so that means we won't get along or this won't work. But what you seem to be saying is that it's more of like this is a layer of information. Like finding something out about my boyfriend's childhood might make me understand why he reacts a certain way. Precisely. Me. So Precisely. it gives me information on how to better navigate a relationship as to whether or not the relationship should exist in the first place. Is that a fair thing to say? Yes, exactly. Because people can come to me. I've had couples come to me where we. I look at the charts beforehand and I'm like, gee, this must be really difficult. But then they arrive and they seem to be crazy in love and they're happy and they've been together for a very long time and they have kids together. And so they've found their way of navigating it, and this piece of information helps them navigate it a little better, you know. Oh, is that why he does that? <laughs> you know, yeah. So with all of that as a caveat, are there certain signs that just should never be together, like oil and water they will not mix? I would never say so definitely that that would be the case. No. I, you know, there's so much involved. And really what I'm looking at, I'm looking at the moon as well. The moon is very important in a relationship. And we don't necessarily know what our moon is. And now we have more access to that with the internet. We can look up our signs online and our birthday online and get that information. Um, but 
the moon, if you can live together, that's determined by the moon. And if you can really stick through the relationship, that depends on the nature of the charts. So, yeah. So when a client comes to you seeking love advice or help finding a partner, does a lot of it come back to sort of obviously just them and what their chart says? Or does a lot of it come to, well, you might be more compatible with a cancer or mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. Virgo, for example? Well, it's a little bit of both. Um If someone comes to me and they are a certain sign and they are having no luck in their relationships and they're complicated and difficult, I'm going to look at what's going on for them. What's Venus attached to? What's Mars attached to? What's the moon attached to? Especially and how they are reacting to things and what they're attracting in their life. So, for example, if Venus, which is the love planet, is very much attached to Saturn or Uranus, this is going to be a whole other ball game other than if it's attached to Jupiter, which is all abundance and light and loveliness. And Saturn is going to be more work and Uranus is going to be more surprises and maybe not of the great kind. But it describes what they're attracting. It describes what they're looking for in a relationship and it describes how they're going to behave and what's going to trigger those patterns in a relationship. So does the same go for a person's sex life? Sure, sure. I would say so. I mean, Venus and Mars, you know, those are their sexual planets. The sun and the moon, we want to see those things compatible because that's your soul and your being, and you have to be able to live together and love each other and respect one another. Venus and Mars are more sexual. So if I see lots of Venus and Mars contacts in between the two charts and not a whole lot of sun and moon, then I know that it's probably not going to be this lifelong thing, that maybe they're just attracted to each other and there's chemistry, and there's just not a whole lot of the, the staying power in the relationship. For someone who comes to me and is single and needs to find love, you know, I can definitely explain to them why relationships may be difficult for them as opposed to not so difficult for their best friend, you know. And I actually wrote a blog about that uh, some time ago on my website. And I explained that, you know, you're one person experiencing this whole host of, of relationships and you are experiencing things, say, say it's difficult. And your friends are the type that have bridal parties and it's all wonderful and it's sunny and you just you just can't grasp that. And they can't grasp your life either because you are one of these people that it's just, it's drama, it's complicated. And then I see that they are having an enormous amount of, you know, outer planet transits or outer planet contacts in their chart. And that to me says you have to go do emotional healing work and emotional homework. And that's what I really recommend for people if they're stuck. Because I can only do so much. I can present the information and accelerate them as far as the information goes. And what people have told me is that years of therapy get solved in one session with me. Like things get identified right away. And so they know what they're working on instead of these random self-esteem or et cetera components. So it's more like that. Um, I can't say – I do have people come to me and and ask, well, there's this guy and then there's this guy. And what – which one? And so I'll look at the planets and I'll explain which one seems to be a better fit because there are definitely compatibilities or not. And so in that way, it's very helpful to people. So I think there are a lot of people that probably see astrology and what you do as something where they'll come in and you'll 
or someone, some of the people that practice in your field will give them these definitives. So, you know, okay, you'll, you'll find love in December of 2016. This will not be good for you next month. This area of your life will. And that maybe that's too prescriptive and there isn't a lot that they can do with that information other than, you know, maybe having this sort of telescope into the future. Mm-hmm. Is that what you do, or is that different from what you That's do? That's very different. That's very different. So, for example, Venus retrograde is happening now from July 24th to September 6th. And so these are the times I say, okay, if you're not in a relationship and you are looking for one, this is probably the time to just have fun and have fun in relationships, go on dates, don't expect it to go anywhere. Then after September 6th, then you can start to seriously consider people. But the people met during that time period are usually you're working something out from an old relationship. And so I don't ever say, yes, it's going to absolutely get better. It, it could get better. It could get better. There are things that work in someone's favor. And then there are some things I have to see more than one sort of confluence in that respect. I have to see several aspects pointing to a relationship. And not everybody's chart works that way. You know, and each of us is in a different time period. And sometimes it's hard to say to somebody, you know what? The real thing probably won't come for a couple of years. So you're in a different place in life then. But that is something that you'll see or is something that you'll have intuition. Intuition about, yeah. And usually it's because they have other things that are priority in their life, like work or career or something that needs to be resolved or worked on or paid attention to. Prior to getting this be-all, end-all relationship. So even though Deb believes that astrology can be very useful when it comes to navigating love and sex and our lives in general, she also advised that we take it with a grain of salt because our sun signs, that's our astrological sign, Leo, Virgo, and what have you, is just one part of the cosmos. And there are others to be reckoned with. Uh, You know, I think that we are not our sun sign. We're not our sun sign. It's really important to explore every part of it. I don't expect everybody to become expert astrologers, but I think it's important to not say no to it before you learn some things about it. And I don't think astrology is a belief system. I do think it's an alchemical language, and it's a very helpful tool. I found one on your uh, on your website. There was one really interesting quote that you had, and I was hoping that you'd read it for us. I have it right here because I feel like it's something people feel all the time. Uh, um, Yeah, this is from New York Magazine. Um, I just like people to know that if they feel like they're going through the juicer, they're not crazy. There are bigger forces at work here. And that I think is the case. Sometimes, especially in the last three years, we've had Uranus and Pluto in a very stressful relationship to one another in the sky. And People were having a lot of stressful experiences, and so it's the truth. They're not crazy. There is something going on, and they feel much better after coming to me and finding out that it's not all in their head, that other people are experiencing this, and that it is a stressful time, and here here are the tools to navigate this. You're listening to the HuffPost Love and Sex Podcast. So in just a few minutes, we're going to take a trip to New York City's oldest occult store, and you're going to learn how you can harness the power of magic to find love. 
But before we go there, Noah and I want to take a moment and thank everyone who has been listening to the show. We love reading all of your emails and reviews on iTunes. Um, I love reading all of your declarations of love for Noah. I personally (laughs) would like some declarations of love, but whatever. Um, It's our goal for the show to address your questions and help spread sex positivity and education. So please keep sending us your questions. Yeah, and basically, you know, to help us with that mission, we'd love if people would subscribe, but also rate the show. I don't know about you, but I end up just refreshing our ratings on iTunes because I like to see if people love us or hate us and what what we're doing right and wrong. Um, And basically, every subscription and review that we get helps boost our position on iTunes. They have that weird algorithm where we move up and down based on how many people are clicking. So anytime people subscribe or review, it makes it easier for people to find our show and that's better for everybody. We think that's a good thing. Yeah. Spread the love and sex and the sex positivity to all the land. Exactly. Our next interview took us on site to Enchantments, the oldest magic store, occult store in New York City, which was all sorts of fun because we went there for the purpose of improving Noah's love life with whatever witchcraft or alchemy or magic they had to offer. Yeah, we spoke with Stacy Rapp, who owns Enchantments and who is a witch herself. And I was really curious. I've been by the store numerous times walking by it in the East Village and wondered what they could do for me, I guess. Um, and so we talked to her about how magic can be used in our lives, especially when it comes to love. Love stuff is, is really tricky. It's the one, it's one of the few types of magic that is a bit more tricky because magic can't create love. It can only create opportunity. So it, it can open the doors to love. It can open the doors to bringing love into your life. It can help you to get rid of past pain from love. But magic cannot create love. And people say, well, I want this person to be in love with me. Well, if they're not in love with you, they're not in love with you. The magic isn't going to make them love you. There is type, There are types of sort of black magic that will make someone want you physically. But that's not love. That's sex. Love is an organic thing that happens between two people. Magic can't create it. Magic can only open the doors and create opportunity for it. And one of the things that we do a lot of is magic to help people increase their own self-love. Because the more confident you feel, the more attractive you're going to be. And so we tend to work on things like getting rid of obstacles, getting rid of blocks. A lot of people have serious obstacles because of things they've been through. And we, work, we, we have a lot of spells to help people try to work through that. And we also do a lot of stuff for self-confidence and, you know, making you feel more attractive. Because if you're going to put yourself out there, you got to be feeling good about yourself. Because if you're hiding in the corner, how is anyone going to be attracted to you? So you would say that magic then is more of, it's like a process or a therapy rather than just like a quick fix. There are no quick fixes in this world, even magic. I mean, I understand Hollywood has made a whole lot of people think that magic is a quick fix, but magic is ultimately working with your energy and the energy of the universe in what we call a proactive process. And you're saying, I want to make this happen. And you're asking the universe to help you make it happen. But any sort of magic, be it love magic, money magic, whatever, 
the idea is you're working towards something, you're doing the work, and you're asking for a boost. If you do a spell to make something happen and then sit there and do nothing, nothing's going to happen. So it's very much a tool to help you focus your energies towards a specific goal with assistance from the universe, be it a goddess, god, whatever you want to call it. And as far as belief goes, I mean, if you don't believe it's going to work, it's not going to work. And if someone comes in and says, well, I know this isn't going to work, but can you do it for me anyways? I, usually we say, well, don't waste your money. If you don't think it's going to work, what are you doing here? <laughs> what about, though, people who think, I'm not a witch, I don't practice Wicca, can it still work for me? You're human. Um, I mean, a lot of it is Wicca-based. A lot of it is not necessarily Wicca-based. And But, I mean, ultimately, we get people from all walks of life. We get people coming in who've never done this before. 90% of our business is word of mouth anyways. And, like, my friend told me I need to come see you guys. Um... It isn't about necessarily you have to be a witch, you have to practice Wicca. What you really need is a serious desire to improve your life and to do something positive for yourself. Um, then again, there are a lot of people who think that magic can create love, magic can force someone to love you. Like, I want this person to fall in love with me, so can you make that happen? Well, no. If they don't love you, they don't love you. <laughs> But we do, I mean, the majority of our stuff is geared at a very positive level. And we do our best to talk people out of anything that has a negative energy to it. Some people are insistent, at which point we kind of have to use our best judgment, ultimately. I mean, I don't really want to go into those sorts of situations right now. Um, but, you know, you do have people who are, you know, absolutely set on, this is what I want to have happen. And we know it's not going to work. We tell them it's not going to work, but they don't listen. So, I mean, that's like anything else. So, Karina, I think a lot of people, when they think of magic, they think of like the movie The Craft, where people are using magic against other people or, or using it in these spectacular ways. But talking to Stacey, it seems to have a very much like a self-help component to it, where you use it to better yourself. Were you, is that how you thought about magic before we went there? Yeah, I actually think it's pretty aligned with what I thought of magic. I mean, obviously, there's the more mystical and the things beyond what we can understand. But when it comes to magic, I generally mm. think of energy. And I just think of energy as one of those things that, you know, we all feel. We feel good energy and bad energy. And I think magic is the ability to focus that and mm -hmm. put it in other directions. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times, you know, like we said before, our own energy or our own feelings or emotions are things mm -hmm. that get in our way and we can get those things out of our way i think a lot of times our number one enemy is ourselves yeah I, we were interested though i did want to find out if you can use magic against people or you know to do harm to people or to break people up so we asked stacy about that as well like the, the most common thing would be well you know somebody's magically making my boyfriend cheat on me you can't make someone do something that it isn't in their nature to do so if magic is being done to make something happen, it's because it's already in the person's nature. Like, if you're in a very secure relationship, all the magic in the world isn't going to change that. And, I mean, I've had stuff thrown at me, various people I was dating, and it didn't usually do anything. doesn't mean we don't know what's happening. But magic, like I said, will only work with what exists. So if... if somebody says there's magic being done and my boyfriend left me because of magic well 
there were probably issues in the relationship that led to that and the magic just accelerated it. Magic can only accelerate things that are going to happen anyways. It can make them happen more quickly. It can get rid of things that are standing in the way of them happening. But it can't cre it can't make things happen that weren't going to happen anyways. As far as nefarious, the most common is I want to break two people up so that I can date one of them. Um, we do get that request a lot. Our response is no. You can try to do that, but we're not going to help you. So Stacy agreed to do a love spell for me, but before she started, she explained that love spells can come in all kinds of different forms. Uh, I could have a candle love spell. Um, there are herbs that I could burn. And she wanted me to be sure that to know that she wasn't actually doing the magic, though. She would prepare the spell for me, but the spell itself would be something that I would have to do. One of the first things we tell people when they are like, okay, I want to do a spell to meet someone, well, you got to be specific with the universe. If you just say, I want to meet someone, there's a lot of frogs out there. Um, so the best thing to do in any sort of love attraction spell is we tell people to make a list. Mm -hmm. you know, make a list of the qualities you're looking for in a potential romantic partner. And also, it's just as important to make a list of the things that are absolutely no-go. And that's the thing that a lot of people forget. They're like, I know what I'm looking for. But do you know what is absolutely unacceptable? Because that's a really good way to filter out a lot of the people. Because there may be people that have the things you're looking for, but also have all the things you don't want. Like commitment-phobic, lives with their parents at age 40. I mean, you know, you you pick. Are there, is there anything that a person like me who's asking for a spell needs to be worried about? Like, you always see in Hollywood, it's like, you ask for a spell, yeah, and then, and then you get it, but it's not quite what you wanted, and, like, the universe kind of fucks with you, and you know, that kind of thing. The be careful what you wish for stuff tends to come with the things that I said we really don't like to do. And that's the reason why. Because there are certain things out there that will force someone to want you on a physical level. A lot of those, you know, people say, well, I want this person to come back to me, but I want them to come back different. Well, you, that doesn't happen. They're going to come back. They're going to come back as themselves. And so a lot of times we'll say, look, if you want to bring them in physically, bring them back to you, that can be done. But they're going to be the same jerk or they're going to be the same, you know, person who cheats or whatever. And sometimes if you do a spell to bring them back, then you can't get rid of them. And that's more the area where it's be careful what you wish for. Bad things will happen when you do manipulative magic because the universe doesn't like it. And the universe is going to say, okay, you wouldn't listen to the warnings. The witches told you not to do this. You're doing it anyways. You'll be sorry. Because the universe does have that sort of sense of balance. And it's like if you're going to do manipulative magic that is completely and totally contraindicated the universe is going to give you what you want but not like the way you want so ultimately what you put into it has a lot to do with what you get out of it and if you are doing it for selfish purposes or you're manipulating someone against their will or you're trying to do stuff that's going to harm somebody else Yes, there will be repercussions. Noah, you've certainly been known to be mischievous in your own right. So before we go any more forward, I just want to make sure that you had a non-manipulative purpose for your love spell. I really did. I didn't come into enchantments asking for a spell to make someone fall in love with me. Um, I didn't have any sort of great design. It was more for me that 
I think when it comes, I'm going to get really intimate here and, and expose my skeletons, but when it comes to love, I'm not always sure that there actually is someone out there for me. And I don't know if I believe in soulmates and all the things, but I'm pretty content and, and I'm pretty happy with my life. So um, I think sometimes I just don't even allow myself to be open to possibilities. So Stacy said that we should actually do a, what she called a love unblocking spell. And that's a spell to sort of clean out your past a little bit, get rid of any blockages in your life that's keeping you from being open to love. So, you know, I'll go out on dates and I just sort of, I think, shut people out pretty quickly. And she said that this spell would help me to not do that, to really keep my my walls down, my doors open, and to just be more open to the possibilities. And that actually sounded perfect to me. A candle is essentially a compact spell. It has everything you need in it. So you don't have to, you know, get a whole bunch of stuff. It's essentially you're going to focus your intention on the candle and you're going to light it and let it burn and meditate with it and sit with it. And you can either burn it, let it like light it and let it burn straight through or you can burn it a little bit every day. And we do have instructions here, um, you know, and this goes back the first word on the instruction sheet goes back to what you were asking whatever path you follow you can perform spells rituals or simply meditate with a personalized spell candle you know we suggest that you do it you start with some sort of a cleansing bath or shower just so that you're not bringing all the baggage from the day or stress or whatever and then you're going to sit and focus your intentions write a list like we said you can say things if you want you can do it all in your head but it's essentially, you know, you're going to, it's a way of putting your wish or your request to the universe. And it's a little easier because then like just sort of a meditate on this and it will happen because you have a physical object to focus on. So it's a very good place for people to start because you can watch the candle burn. So you actually have something you can sit with and focus with and meditate with instead of just this amorphous, well, you know, Focus on this for the next six months or whatever. I mean, you can make it happen, but the candle gives you a, a vessel to put your energy into, and it's something you can watch, you can sit with, you can stare at. So it's a very good place for most people to start. And it will be carved with the proper symbol, and in this case, it's a love unblocking, and we'll have your name and sign. And then we will put incense in the bottom and oil on the candle, uh, some sort of a love oil, obviously. And um, we also put an offering of honey in the bottom, which is the offering to the universe because you're asking for help. So you're saying, I'm giving you an offering. And we have you taste it first as a show of good faith because you wouldn't offer something to the universe that you wouldn't eat yourself. And then it goes in the bottom of the candle and we put magnetic iron in the bottom as well uh, to help attract the energy down. And it usually takes about... 10 minutes to actually carve the candle and another 10 to 15 minutes to figure out which candle to make. So we usually tell people it's about a half an hour process. So she said you had to do the spell yourself. She made the candle for you. Walk us through the process. Right. So the candle is beautiful. And, you know, it's a red color, which is for love. And she carved the symbol, the unblocking symbol into it. She put my um, sun sign on it, my name on it. She put these oils on it. Um... And what I was supposed to do is take the candle home 
and then take a bath or a shower using salt, which is, you know, to cleanse yourself before you start doing magic. You're supposed to be as clean and and balanced as possible. And then I was supposed to make a list of the things that I wanted. So I guess the things I was looking for in a partner, she said it was really important also to make a list of the things that I didn't want in a partner. Um, And then really just to concentrate on that list, on the symbol, on the candle as I lit it. And I did all of that. Um, You know, my list was kind of like, shouldn't be an asshole. (laughs) Really basic stuff. Um, You know, should be funny, but not so funny that it's so exhausting and you wish they would shut up. I I tried to be really specific about what what I do want. Um, You know, gigantic penis. No, kidding. Uh, Kind of. but, you know, and, and I did spend some time, and I think that that's sort of the idea behind magic is what I've taken away from all of this, is that it's really about putting your intention into the world. I talked to Stacy a little bit about the idea of that book, The Secret, you know, where people make vision boards, and and, um, and she agreed with me that The Secret is kind of like the broke down version of magic, the easy way of, maybe not even easy, but the sort of cheap layman's way of doing magic. And I think that's true. You You have this thing. You have a candle or you have some kind of symbol and you sort of project what you want onto it and helps. it's a way for you to focus your energy. And that's all it really stands in for. And when you think about religion, that's sort of the same thing too. We have these statues or medallions, saint medallions, all these things that we pray to. It's the same idea. Most religions are based on pagan religions anyways. And so, you know, if you're praying to the Virgin Mary, it's the same thing as really doing a spell or focusing your energy on on the goddess. So um, I have I have done the candle and uh, I think it's too soon to tell. It's still burning. It burns for like, you know, several days. And yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. When you lit it, did like the lights flicker in the house? And, like, they the did. Shake? There were like, you know, ravens that crashed into my window <laughs> and frogs coming out of my the faucet in my sink. And yeah, it was, it was, no, it wasn't. It was pretty quiet. And um, I think that's the point. I think the point is that magic isn't thunderstorms and explosions. I think the point is that magic should be happening every day. And uh it's, it's about how we clear our, our minds and sort of visualize our, the lives that we want to have. So did Stacy have any success stories to speak of? She did. She had a couple, but there was one that I especially really liked. There's a woman who's been coming here now for about four years. And the first time she came in, uh, she got a love unblocking candle. And she did everything we said, and she wrote the list and whatnot. And about six months later, she met a really, really decent guy. And so she brought him in and they got a candle and just for strengthening the relationship. And then I think about six months after that, they moved in together. So they came for a house blessing and then we made them a wedding candle. And then the last time she came in was for a candle to get pregnant. Inquiring minds want to know, where are you at with all this now that we've done this? And are you at somewhere different than you were before? You're pretty mystical as it is. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. (laughs) Other than my owl is lost in the mail. Right. Um, I think it's just reinforced what I believe, which is that whether it's 
you call it witchcraft or astrology or prayer or divination, it really comes down to the person and it comes down to the person focusing their energy on what they want and really understanding what's keeping them from there, from getting what they want. It's mm -hmm. self-reflection and there are all these different names for it and different ways of prescribing it. Mm -hmm. And I think if you take it with a grain of salt and you don't take it as doctrine, then it's a tool. And we all need more tools. I totally agree. I also like the idea of making this less um, mythical, less scary, less confusing. I think if people sat down and actually looked at what uh, witchcraft is or what astrology is, a lot of it's based on science. A lot of it's based on what feels very logical to me that, or hopeful, too, that maybe that we can sort of project our will onto the universe and that we can um, make things happen. And I think part of it too, and maybe, you know, maybe some of this is just psychosomatic, but I think if you do believe in something, it's like at one point we were talking to Stacey about doing magic for a job. And she said, if you come in here and you ask me to help you make a spell to get a job, I can do that. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to send out resumes, and that doesn't mean that you don't have to go on interviews, and that doesn't mean that someone's going to knock on your door and just hand you your dream job. I don't think that magic or astrology is this sort of like silver bullet that just changes everything. I think it can aid. It's one more tool to help you in your life. But you also have to show up every day, and you also have to do the work. And, and I sort of, I think that that's really empowering in a, in a way. That's it for this episode of HuffPost Love and Sex. We want to give a big thank you to our producer and editor, Caitlin Bagugi, and our audio engineer, Brad Shannon. Please let us know what you think of the show, especially if you have an idea for an episode and want to share your story. You can find us on Twitter with the handle at HuffPostPodcast. And you can send us an email, and we love getting emails. Our address is loveandsexpodcast at huffingtonpost.com. Furthermore, if you like the show, you should tell your friend about it. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. It helps other people discover our show and sex positivity. And click those gold stars, people. If we get more, HuffPost is going to buy us basically an entire basement full of love candles. That's weird. I thought they were going to send me to Hogwarts. No. Damn it. Selfish. <sighs> Our next show will be about fetishes. Trust us, you don't want to miss it. See you then. Bye.